This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663 Visit la or find them on Facebook. begging a few questions this afternoon. Are we an altruistic consumer? Would you spend more money in a space that you know provided excess food to charity? And do you think about those things when you are shopping or making your decisions around your food spending? All of that is going to be explored between now and two o'clock. Ah, we are talking cravings. In fact, today we are talking charity, Tad Lombardo, and whether consumers are interested in spending more money um, if they know there is a, a charity outcome. So this came from a story um, this, this week in uh, ABCWA. And the story is about um, uh, consumers in WA in particular are becoming more interested in buying a donut, for example, if they know that that donut store is providing some some much-needed funds to a local charity. And this is also in contrast to actually just giving money to a charity. Is that... Well, sort of yes, we can, all just, we can all just give money to charity. That's, that's simple. Yeah, but, but, but it's the whole thing mm. of people generally trying to... to they're, they're more than happy to buy food. If it's mm. the proceeds going to charity, it's a little bit different when they're yeah. just handing over money. I think it's about, are, are we being altruistic in our purchases? Yeah. So do we think about... Uh, when we go to shop, do we do we go and shop at a at an IGA supermarket or an independent supermarket, for example, because we know that supermarket uh, provides its excess goods to charities like Fair Share or First Bite or those yeah. who who will then take that food and use it uh, to assist people. And it's and it's kind of the same thing where we we do that when we buy eggs, we buy free range eggs, and well, I hope we all buy free range eggs. Um, you know, and and you know, 
um, meats and things like that that are ethical and um, and it's just another I guess it's just another level of doing mm. that same thing it just ha- probably isn't as um, visited as much I think a really good example earlier this year uh, sorry 2016 um, with the milk situation yes. where when people went to the supermarket or, or to the market and bought milk, they made sure that the milk they purchased was, it was probably more expensive, yep. um, but it was going to support the farmers. What's alarming is that um, of the one and a half billion dollars that was raised through the the milk yeah, purchases over that period of time, it very little of it filtered back to those dairy right. farmers that we were so concerned about. But it does give us a sense of um, understanding that we can be more thoughtful about the way that we procure our goods definitely we can support smaller independent farmers we can go and shop at farmers markets because we know there is no middleman you're not you're not paying the wages of a pimply faced kid who doesn't know anything about your product uh by by purchasing at a farmer's market so it's probably about ethical purchasing and and whether we're altruistic i would like to know if you are indeed altruistic in the way that you purchase you can uh, send us a text to 0427JOY949. You can email on air at joy.org.au. Or you can tweet to CravingsJoy949. Let us know whether you think about your purchases. Our, our, our very regular correspondent has already <laughs> been in touch. Uh, hello, Tad and Pete. Hope all is well in Australia. All is well here in New Jersey, except it's cold. That's yes, from Linda. it would be. Mm. Mom. <laughs> um, how cold would it be in Jersey at the moment? Uh, probably about... Two degrees, something like that, Celsius, which is pretty oh. cold. Um, when I was there a couple of weeks ago, it was, um, you know, minus 10 a few days. That, that's how cold it actually was. It was pretty bitter cold, and you'd walk outside and you would feel like you were just getting a, an immediate brain freeze with the wind. It was incredible, but I, I actually enjoyed it. I've just put my beloved on an airplane. He's uh, on his way to uh, London with his dad. It should and be pretty like, cold. He's, oh, it's going to be two degrees and five degrees and seven degrees. He's been moaning about. The heat and humidity <laughs> of Queensland. Yes. And now... <laughs> the extremes. Yeah, so that's uh, that's going to be interesting. I'd like to be a fly on the wall through that trip. <laughs> it should be interesting. It would be good. They're flying with um, Royal Brunei. Oh, okay. Uh, and they obviously land in Brunei somewhere? Or they do. Um, or the only place to land in Brunei is... Brunei. The airport. It's a small, small <laughs> yeah, place. Right. Um, but it's interesting because Brunei is um, a Muslim country. Yeah. And so, because the airline is owned by the, essentially by the royal yeah. family, um, it's an alcohol-free flight. Do they tell you that? Um, they don't. In your book? No. no. Okay. Um, but Nate's, uh, Nate's sister-in-law is a travel agent, yeah. and she's also Muslim. So, she's booked all the travel for them, yeah. um, and booked them on Royal Brunei, because right. she got a good deal. But they can't drink between here and Brunei, Brunei, Dubai, Dubai, London. It's interesting. I mean, nowadays you know it's going to be smoke-free flight. But, yes. um, yeah, obviously the, the alcohol side of things is a little bit different. 28 um, hours of flying and you can't have a gin and tonic <laughs> on the flight. That's um, a uh, challenge. It is a great that. challenge indeed. <laughs> um, so, yes, we'll, we'll get on to this, this altruism, I think, and, and discussion about charity. We're going to speak with... Um, Katie Barfield. Katie yep. founded an app called Yumi um, and a service called Yumi. She's a very dynamic woman and has a wonderful story to tell about how they collect food and resell food yep. and provide food for, for those who are more in need. And then we shall be joined by Marcus Godinium. He is the CEO of Fairshare. Yep. Fairshare creates about 5,000 meals a day to help those that need it most. Um, 
Marcus is not so sure that, that we are altruistic in our purchase. He knows that we are altruistic right. with our time, uh, but he's not so sure whether we are altruistic about our purchases. And I think this is an interesting kind of um, kind of whoop ass that we Shut might open. position, mm. almost, isn't it? Yeah. Well, do you do you do you ethically purchase, or do you purchase in in a particular way, or are you like? Do you know what I I I do mm. I do do that. Um, not necessarily if I'm speaking about going to a restaurant, because um, a lot of that stuff in a lot of restaurants don't necessarily advertise their menus around mm. that. Mm. Um, you know, like I, I know one of the things that um, you know from my own experience as a trader at the Pran Market, yeah. um, they partner with Second Bite, yeah. so Second Bite comes around every every week, Saturday, Sunday, and they collect food. And you know, according to the stats on the Pran Market website, um, you know, they Second Bite um, redistributes food to over seventy agencies. And um, the food that's donated by the traders apparently is enough for 74,500-gram nutritious meals per year. So that's a huge amount of food. 74,000 half a kilo meals a year. Yeah. That's, uh, my reckoning, about 14,500 a week. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, definitely. 1,450. Yeah. Maths is not my strong point. No, no, no. But it's just it's a, it's an incredible amount of food, and, it is. and and it's not like this food is bad. It's just it will go bad if it's not you know when Correct. the market closes for a day, you know um, it, it will go off if it's any mm. longer than that. But um, it's salvaged. The, the thing that bothers me, I, I've got a constant crusade against the two big supermarket chains. Yeah. Um, if a lemon or a tomato or a carrot doesn't quite look right, right, it can't be sold in the supermarket. Yep. Everything has to be predominantly uniform, predominantly yep. um, blemish-free. So even if the lemon is in beautiful condition inside, if there is a skin blemish, yep. then it can't be sold. So the, the wastage of the amount of food... It's crazy. Mm. But but it's also, too, I think... It, I mean, we can blame the super and they, they do hold mm. a fair amount of responsibility for that. But I also think it's also changing the psyche of the consumer and saying, Correct. okay, if this carrot doesn't look perfectly straight... Can um, I eat it? You know, it tastes the same. But you look at you people know? who pull carrots out of their garden, and quite often they look like they've got two legs or <laughs> that's right. other appendages that, yeah. are, that are there, and it's it's and it's, that's celebrated. Mm, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, we're going to explore all of that tad between now and two p.m. You are on cravings. I just wanted to say thank you to Blair, our newsreader. It's his very yes, first day. It's done very well. That was his very that was his second bulletin, yep. um, and we're very pleased to have him on board. So welcome, Blair. Uh, another wonderful volunteer here at Joy 94.9. It is currently 13 minutes past one. You with Tad and Pete. This is Cravings, and today we are looking at altruism. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week, made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favourite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcasts. Any show, any show, anytime, joy.org.au. You are on Joy 94.9. It's a quarter past one, and today we are looking at altruism with food. Do we think more about the way we purchase do we purchase with ethical thoughts in mind? And what do we do about food waste? How do you at home make your decisions around what happens with um, the food you buy and what happens with the outlets where you buy your food? Katie Barfield, we've spoken to Katie before. You may remember her. She is the 
um, the founder of Yumi. It's a wonderful app, and she joins us on the phone from her sun lounge in the Bahamas. Katie, good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pete. I wish I was. More like Yarraville, but it's still quite nice. Well, Yarraville is the Bahamas of the West. It is indeed, darling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about Yumi first, for those playing at home that aren't familiar with Yumi. What, what is it about? Well, Yumi um, is a B2B platform that enables any supplier or food business, manufacturer, etc., that has any product that they cannot sell through their usual avenues. They can put that onto the platform at no fee, and other food businesses, um, cafes, restaurants, cages, etc., can purchase that at a, at a significant discount and have a really great impact on the positive impact on the environment because that food doesn't end up in landfill. Right. So the the, the emphasis behind the business for you is is to prevent um, us just chucking food in, into the ground. Yeah, absolutely. We just think that's a complete crime. And uh, we're trying to do everything we can to ensure that food is goes to its uh, its purpose, which is obviously for us to enjoy and eat it. Katie, do you think that, that consumers in particular are becoming more thoughtful about the way that they purchase? I think we're getting there. I've seen a big improvement over the last 10 years since I founded Second Bite. Um, we've Certainly back then I remember talking about food rescue and people sort of slammed me down and said, what a ridiculous term, no one will understand what that means, whereas now that's kind of in the vernacular, it's every day. So I think we're moving in the right direction, there's a long way to go yet, we're still throwing out globally 1.3 trillion kilograms of food every year. Um, it's, it's just such an alarming number that I don't think we can comprehend. You can't. I guess that, and so I did some back of the envelope calculations and worked out, you know, this is obviously everyone concerned about the 2 billion people yet to come by 2050, how are we going to feed them all? But actually, if you take that 1.3 trillion kilograms, we have more than a kilogram of food to feed every one of those 2 billion every single day of the year. So it's, the food's already there. It's just um, we're incredibly wasteful. Katie, it's Tad here. I just wanted to, to ask, I mean, obviously you're, you're doing things here locally in Australia to, to help fix that problem. Um, are there any groups, you know, globally that are, that are trying to do that as well and, and trying to harness all that waste into something useful? There are a number of initiatives um, that, for instance, anaerobic digestion and companies that are trying to turn organic waste into something useful and not see it go to landfill. Yeah. But in the space in which we're playing in, which is obviously this platform designed specifically for surplus product, there's one other um, there's one other example of a of a company like that in Boston okay. um, called. Spoiler alert! Right. At the moment, they're playing in the non-for-profit space, particularly. So they take food that's surplus, and then they sell that on to food uh, rescue uh, to food rescue organisations or community programs. It's a very different system over there in America, but uh, but that's the other group that we've and we've actually caught up on uh, on Skype with them so that we can yeah. share learnings and uh, you know overcome challenges together because it is a very complex system that is broken um our food system is broken and it's incredibly complex katie we, we saw a wonderful initiative just uh, just about a year ago from the french government they france became the first country in the world that banned supermarkets from throwing away or destroying unsold food um and this law forces them to and it was unanimously passed by the french senate forces them to 
donate to to charities and food banks, not unlike uh, Second Bite and Fair Share and those. So, um, is the rest of the world, or certainly even the the rest of the EU, and 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 maybe Australia is a good answer? Are we going to catch up to that that point where it it will be illegal? It's certainly immoral, illegal to throw away food waste. Well, I don't know if Australia will make it that far, um, and I don't. You know that under a Dylan country. government, this would happen, don't you? <laughs> I do know that. Dylan, for Prime Minister. Um, I think uh, there are a number of um, ways that that countries are tackling this. So France, as you said, made it illegal. Um, Italy have gone a little bit more with carrot over stick, and they've offered significant um, incentives for companies to donate. By that I mean financial incentives, because that's what speaks to big business, is money. Mm. So if they donate their food, they um, they get some tax. Um, write-offs for that food. I think there are a number of ways we can approach it. Um, I, I, I'm sort of... I, I straddle both camps. I think that if we can encourage businesses to donate product, um, then that's the best way to go because, you know, if you force and make a li- something illegal, there have been stories that um, supermarkets will just allow food to spoil and then it is no longer edible and then it's not illegal for them to throw it out. Mm, which is a, is a bother. I think I like the Italian version where I think the carrot, as you say, it's carrot rather than mm. than stick. Is is incentivizes people to make those those ethical decisions. Well, the story that we we we've looked at earlier in the week out of Western Australia was that um, people in in WA in particular are starting to become more thoughtful about the end result of their food purchases. So, for example, if a an independent supermarket chain for example or an independent supermarket determined that they they would advise people that their unsold food is going to fair share or or, or food bank or or second bite that the people of wa are becoming more thoughtful about going to those places where they know there is going to be a result do you think um certainly on the eastern states do you think we're at that point are we leading them are we behind them what's what's your take um, look, there's been a huge increase in the amount of food that is flowing through to food rescue organisations and a much greater awareness about the increasing need within the community. Um, so I think we are gaining good traction here. Um, we've seen, certainly at Second Bite, uh, we saw uh, the amount of product that is collected and redistributed jump up to 16 million kilograms this year. That's enough for 32 million meals to give your listeners some perspective on it. So there's definitely an awareness um, that's uh, around food, food waste, and also need within the community. So that encourages me. Um, I mean, what I would like to see is the instances of food insecurity begin to drop uh, the more food that is put through the community program, and that doesn't actually seem to be happening. So that's another area that we need to really explore and understand what these complex reasons are that people um, find themselves without food. It is, food insecurity is a very complex problem, um, and you know, just giving people free food is not going to be the answer. We need to come at this in many different ways and make really good quality, healthy food affordable for everybody because we it, that is very possible. With the amount we're throwing away, we could bring a lot more into the system of healthy products and make that really available to everyone. Um, is there, apart from people like yourself, is, is there anybody within the political system you know that is starting to drive this sort of initiative? 
Not that I've come across, but we haven't. <laughs> we haven't That's begun a very our big advocacy. breath, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, we haven't begun our advocacy as yet. So that is the next step um, that we want to take at UMI, and that is to advocate for um, increased costs of food in landfill, which is another way to tackle it, because that disincentivizes people from dumping it. Um, you know, again, tax concessions for companies that do donate, because it is actually a cost to businesses to donate products as opposed to dumping it. The system is set up for them to dump. And abhorrent as that is, that's just the state of play at the how, moment. How, sorry, so I'm, I just want to clear a bit of confusion in my own head. How is it more costly to donate than dispose? Okay, so if you've got a very large greenhouse, for example, in Adelaide, and you you grow hundreds of tonnes of tomatoes, there will be a percentage of tomatoes that don't meet the very strict specifications of the mar- supermarkets and some of the major retailers. Mm. Okay? Um, at the moment, the process is that they just go straight to a big hole in the ground. If they have to actually sort them, pack them into boxes, paying for the boxes and the packaging, and then ship them out of Adelaide to wherever it is they may need to be. So it's a couple of hours out of Adelaide, and I'm talking about a specific greenhouse. Then, you know, that is a cost to them, um, Mm. albeit not a huge cost, but it still is. So we need to incentivise businesses to actually, you know, pick, pack and ship this product that is deemed imperfect by the major retailers and make it at least a cost-neutral exercise for them. Mm. So a lot of the, the, the dumping, just to clarify, it's actually happening at the farms, obviously, or, or the the main depots and things like that, when they're being classed as being acceptable or not? Absolutely. In fact, 3.9 million tonnes of food in Australia every year is, is food waste that happens at the commercial end. That's before it ever gets to a consumer's house. So and there, are some, um, there are some reports that we're losing up to 50% before it leaves farm gate because it is seen as imperfect, doesn't meet the specifications, um, which is why, as Pete knows, I've been a bee advocate for years <laughs> about, you know, food as nature intends. It yeah, is actually sure. perfect. There's the same input cost to grow a wonky carrot as there is to grow a straight one. So and yet it, why if, do you care that it's wonky? If we use those tomatoes as an example, those imperfect tomatoes would be perfect to go into cans. And yet we're Absolutely. importing about 80% of, of tomatoes that we buy in supermarkets are important and absolutely not necessary no we have more than enough in this country to sustain us we have more than enough it's it's um, alarming we continue to import it is really alarming it is really alarming and the cost to the planet the cost to our health and the cost to our future is just immeasurable Mm. katie if people want to know a little bit more about yumi or want to be more um, informed about the advocacy that you are involved with how do they find out well you can head to our website which is uh, www.yumifood and that's y-u-m-e food.com.au I should say that Yumi means to dream in Japanese. So we are oh. dreaming of a better future. <laughs> well, I can't think of a more appropriate use of, uh, of Japanese. And it also talks <laughs> about you and me making these decisions together. It does, absolutely. <laughs> Katie, good to talk to you as always, my dear. And uh, continued strength in your advocacy, making sure that uh, we prepare our, our planet for um, the future a little better. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to talk to you both. Pleasure, darling. Now, back to your sun lounge in the Bahamas. Off you go. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Katie Barfield from Yumi. We might tweet out that um, 
that uh, web address because I think it's so many people don't even think uh, when they're making those purchases about you know no, these these bananas all look perfect these carrots all look perfect these tomatoes look perfect and, she, and you know Katie makes a good point too that if we're not having to import all these tomatoes from wherever they're coming from easily mostly yeah that's mm. right and and you know you think about the greenhouse gases that are involved with that mm. and and th- that process that's unnecessary um you know, we can do it here in Australia or wherever. One I of mean, the major supermarkets just in the last few days selling American lemons imported from the USA right. um, and at quite a cost. It's it's just... Crazy. Yeah. It is 28 minutes past one. You are on Cravings with Tad and Pete. We're getting a little bit... We're becoming advocates today. But, so we might lighten you up with a bit of music and then we'll introduce you to Marcus Godinho. He is from Fair Share. Uh, 28 minutes past one on your favourite radio station. You're on Joy 94.9. Cravings will be back shortly, so don't go too far. But if you do miss anything, you'll hear it on The Cravings Podcast at joy.org.au forward slash cravings via iTunes or your favourite podcast site. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9 9- 9663-6102. Visit laspagatata.com.au or find them on Facebook. You are on joy.org.au. You are, <laughs> you are on Joy 94.9. It's Pete Dillon and Tad. We're about to speak to Marcos Godinho. He is the CEO of Fair Share. Tad, um, talk about the initiative at the Pran Market again because I think that's quite important. Yeah, uh, definitely. The Pran Market um, partners with Second Bite and the... Um, the, the the all the traders get together all the food that they are um, either unable to, to sell on that particular day or are are going to be throwing out within a day or so. Um, Second bite gets that and then redistributes the produce to about seventy other agencies, who then turn that into meals. And in an, you know every year, um, there's about seventy four thousand um, five hundred gram nutritious meals that. Um, are, are put out there for um, people that need them the most. So it's quite a an interesting initiative. And is that all traders that support that? It's all the traders, yep. So that's um, everybody who's there um, and has something that they're wanting to contribute. Um, Second Bite come around every Saturday and Sunday at the end of the day um, and bring their trolleys. They've got refrigerated trucks um, in the the loading dock that's ready to um, take the produce back to um, to the various people that they support and the agencies that um, that they collect for. Do you give them chocolates? Do you know what? I'm fortunate the chocolates um, never go off. They they sell out. <laughs> but um, but it, honestly, if I did, I've, of course I would. If I had anything that I knew that I wasn't going to be able to use or um, was going to go to waste because for any reason, I would certainly would give it to them. Yeah, it's um, so it's mostly fresh food and it is fresh produce. Um, you know, uh, uh, other things too. Sometimes they'll even get flowers, um, you know, and they'll distribute the flowers to different um, uh, places that serve the meals and, and just to uplift the um, the people, the recipient. That, that would be meals. really nice yeah. if you're feeling a bit... Definitely. So mm. it could be anything um, that they're, they'd be happy to uh, to collect on behalf of, of, you know, the people that need it the most in, in our communities. So it's, um, it's something that... Um, you know, you don't necessarily see happening when you're visiting the market um, on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, if you're there at the end of the day, of course, it does happen and, and you can clearly see it. And it's um, 
it's a heartwarming thing to actually see that these people with second bite, um, which generally are volunteers that go around as well, collecting mm. uh, on behalf of people that need it the most. I, I like the idea there was a, 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 a woman set up a, a service, I suppose, but she was um, she was uh, using it as a singles event. So she would get a whole bunch of individuals together, and they would go in and they would cook. Um, yeah. And then that um, that food would be delivered to people yep. who needed it but there was the process of making it and actually getting to know somebody while you were doing it yeah and that's makes it mean that much more i think to the people that are, are trying to help out as well i think it's it's about community and and individuals doing what they can to help out too and uh you know obviously bigger agencies need to to take a bit more of a um or I should say government agencies probably need to take a bit more of a role with the, um the grassroots problems with food waste on a larger scale, but I think um, you know a lot of people might feel that their contribution isn't enough or doesn't make a difference. But it does. If if one person's doing it, then two people, then ten people. You know, it, it compounds that mm, way, and it's important. It does indeed. Hi, I'm Anna De Silva, and you're listening to Cravings with Pete Dillon on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy ninety four point nine. You are indeed. You're with Tad and myself. Tad's going to be driving this this little Cravings yeah. truck after uh, after next week when I. Head to uh, far north Brighton in Queensland to... Um, you'll, you'll be on the beach. I will be. Well, I will be quite, <laughs> quite literally loushing around. Um, we were talking about... or Sorry, we are talking about altruism in food and whether it affects our decisions or not. Uh, we've spoken to Katie Barfield and we are now joined by Marcus Godinho. He's the CEO of Fair Share. And we might actually have a, a slightly different opinion, I think. Marcus, hello. Good afternoon. Good to talk to you. Hey, um, so th- my, my question to you earlier when we were sort of setting this program up is, are we more altruistic about the way that we purchase food? Um, and you're not entirely convinced that we are, are you? Well, I look back at generations gone by uh, into the last century and, and were those people less altruistic than we are today? I don't think that we're any more or any less altruistic. I think there are people out there who are incredibly generous, whether they're wealthy or not, um, and and there are some that aren't. So I, I wouldn't say that we're more generous now. I think though, that there are many more opportunities for people to donate. Um, so let, let's, if we look at this from from your perspective at Fair Share, um, is it is it people donating their time, or is it the donations you get food wise that are, are most valuable to you? Oh, look, there are three sides to Fair Share. Um, we need volunteers to cook meals, and we have hundreds of people helping out in that regard. We need businesses to make available the surplus food that we have, and. Despite us cooking the surplus food and with volunteers, we still need funds to run, so we need donations. So it's a, a mix of the three. Uh, but what we find is that when we do reach out to, to people or businesses and say that oh, this is what we need at the moment, there's an overwhelming response. And uh, I think people are more likely to give if they're asked and ask for something quite specific. So what what specific... I hate, I hate this sentence... It always reminds me of Kath and Kim. What specifically do you ask for uh, uh, on any given day? Well, it depends what we need. I mean, we may have gone out there and collected a lot of eggs for one supply from a farmer's site, um, a lot of cream from a big multinational dairy company. We've got a lot of ham at the moment left over from Christmas, not surprisingly. We've got our own vegetables, um, but we just don't have enough pastry. So we might be reaching out to companies like Goodman Fielder or Boscastle Pies or the Pastry Lounge or any one of those supporters and say, hey, 
hey, look, we could be producing so many egg and bacon pies or quiches uh, at the moment, but we just don't have enough pastries anyway that's germany at the moment, or could you make a donation of some? So, I mean, that's to give you a very concrete example of something we may ask for. That's, a, that's an interesting thing to ask for as well, because I, I would just automatically... And it's the way my brain works, I suppose. I would just automatically go, oh, yeah, I'm just my, I'll just make the pastry. I'll get some volleys in to make the pastry. But then to do that, you need the flour, the, the shortening, the the equipment. So it doesn't. it's not as simple as, oh, we'll just whip it up, is it? Well, we do that as well. <laughs> when we can't get enough and, uh, and we do get a big boomer out and make our own pastries. So, look, um, you hear a lot about innovation these days and they're more innovative than that. Uh, and then our chefs, because every day it's that old mystery box of um, what have we got and how can we make 5,000 meals today over our morning and afternoon and evening shifts. Marcus, uh, did you, do you think people would um, go and shop at a particular place or go and eat at a particular place? Or, or do, you, do you think people's purchases may be affected if they know... Um, if it's somewhere in, in the advertising of the independent supermarket or indeed one of the two big chains that we support Fair Share, um, do you think giving that information to people will allow them to be more thoughtful about that sort of ethical purchase? No doubt some will, um, but others are motivated by other things. So uh, people will be always motivated by price convenience as well in terms of location. But what we see the, the major retailers doing more and more is promoting their work they're doing with charities like Fair Share, um, getting out there and being far more vocal about um, the collaboration than, say, they were five years ago or more. And, and to me, when we first started collecting from supermarkets, I just thought it was a no-brainer. I mean, there are many great mm. causes out there for supermarkets. Marcus, just, just sorry, I hate, to, I hate to cut in. Can you do me a favour and jump about two, two feet to the left? Because your line's just gone really <laughs> ropey and we're just having a bit of difficulty with those last couple of sentences. So um, I don't know whether you moved while we were in conversation, but we seem to just, we lost you a bit. No, I'll try that. That might be better now. Perfect. Thank you. How's that sound? Yeah, That's lovely. Um, <laughs> um, look, I, I just think that supermarkets um, will uh, are now promoting far more what they're doing with food charities than they were when they initially started. And it may have been because they were just putting their toe in the water. But right across Australia now, they have charities working with them to make sure that the surplus food that they do have, and when you think about it, how many of us buy our groceries from supermarkets? They turn over so much food and they have so much left over, uh, even when they're really well managed. And so there are more of us, more charities out there going to those uh, stores and there are more people who um, and and those um, supermarkets are now really promoting what they're doing with their share and with others. Just about that, your own thoughts. Do you think that they're promoting that in a? a, a I hope I don't want to get controversial here, but in a positive way, are they just promoting it to say, "Look at what we're doing, and we're wonderful"? And you know, I mean, are, is what they're promoting and what they're doing is it actually having an impact? I guess that's the question that that I would be curious about instead of just using it as a marketing opportunity. Look, no doubt there's both of it. I think they very much are um, promoting something uh, that accords with what they are doing, and and they're doing a lot more of it. They're not just making food available to charities. They're now even funding the charities to give them the resources to come and pick it up, so that's great. Um, 
But look, um, they're communicating that they're doing it uh, because, uh, I mean, look, let's be frank, the supermarkets have come under a lot of fire over the last few years. Uh, I'm not going to place judgment on whether that's deserved or not. <laughs> no, no, um, leave that to me, Mark. Certainly, <laughs> certainly there are reputation challenges there that they have, and I think when they are doing good things like working with their share and others, then being out there and, and talking about that, well, you know, I think credit where it's due. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so look, oh, I don't begrudge them out there promoting it, and look, what they're also helping doing um, is not just dipping their hands into their pockets and uh, donating to the charities, but they're encouraging, encouraging their customers to do so as well. Mm, and, which uh, will have a knock-on effect at some point. Marcus, um, yeah, absolutely. we were t- just talking to Katie Barfield earlier. I'm sure that you two know one another well. Um, absolutely. We, we mentioned the fact that about a, a year ago the, um, the French government enacted into law um, a piece of legislation that prevented supermarkets from, from disposing of, of unsold food and actually was almost, they're forced into to giving them to charity. The, the Italians have taken a, a slightly more gentle approach by incentivising businesses with tax offsets and that sort of thing. Do you think Australia is in a position that we might catch up with that? I'd be interested in your opinion on this. Yeah, look, I might be a bit controversial here, and I'll just go back about 15 years. I've been many years with environment organisations um, called for regulation on environmental issues, and, uh, and and I've been criticised in the past by especially business doing so. In the case of food, though, I think it's a bit different because Australia is um, really at the vanguard um, of collecting surplus food from supermarkets. We're, we're years ahead of where other countries are at, and, and, and I see um, stories that people send me from over in Europe and I think, well, it's great that they're doing it. Gee, we were doing this eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, so I think that when you look at how much surplus food is being collected from the supermarkets, when I look at the reach of charities across the supermarket chains, um, and I think about, well, if regulation was to be introduced to require Aldi, um, Costco... Woolworths, Coles, to hand over their surplus food to charities. What's it going to achieve? Well, they're already all doing it, mm. and they're doing it in spades. And there are a number of charities that have popped up, including Caddy Barfield's old One Second Bite House, yep. um, that are working with them and doing great work. So I think if you introduce regulation, then you've got compliance, then you've got reporting, you've got bureaucrats that are employed within the public sector, uh, you introduce a, what you're doing is you're taking resources away from the actual doing. Yeah, and, of, and more um, about putting the, food aside, mm. and it's more about the reporting and the compliance, yep. um, and the auditing and so forth. And what I'd much rather see is government saying, "Well, look, this is something that we think is important." And at the moment, we've got charities and we've got the food companies that are donating to those charities, putting their hands in their pockets and fundraising and so forth. It, it's it's to do it. potentially creating another level of surplus. It's just potentially creating a different level of surplus. If there is, um, if everybody is forced to do it, then you're you're going to end up with surplus food that you almost won't be able to use. Oh, look, I wouldn't say that. We turn over a lot of food, and I know others have got more and more capacity than they did ten years mm. ago to capture this surplus food. So I don't think that's the issue. I mean, we're going to haul from a supermarket and they've got 23 pallets of um, of meatloaf with one day left on it. We'll take that. We'll freeze it. And mm. We'll draw down on it. We'll bank it and draw down it over the next few months. So we've got the capacity to 
uh, as a sector be able to capture that food. What I just don't want to see is regulation being introduced for the sake of it uh, and then uh, hold resources tied up in compliance rather than those resources being used to actually, um, for instance, within supermarkets, to actually manage putting it aside for charities, to working with charities, and that money going to charities to be able to have more vans on the road and more kitchens to cook more meals and to have more vans to get it out to, to people who need it. Mm. Maybe they just need... Maybe and, and that may be a controversial <laughs> thing because I think the populist thing to do is say, let's have more regulation. No, 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 I, I'm yeah, with you. We need a lot of regulation in other parts, but just I wouldn't say specifically in this instance. Mm. But possibly name and shame the ones that aren't doing anything about it as well, as opposed to the regulation and, and you know, <laughs> somehow get to the bottom of More that. More controversy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but look, I'm not sure what percentage of groceries are purchased from um, even just Coles and Woolworths. But it's oh, from the two big ones, it's 80-something percent. It's, it's, it's a very, very, very high number. Okay. And then you add Aldi and, Co- and Costco and you've got others yep. coming in to the market from overseas. Plus the ind- independent really- grocers, the IGAs and the Foodworks and uh, all of those. Yeah. Mm. Now, I can't talk for those independents, but I do know the big ones, and you're saying just two of them make up 80%, well, they're already doing it. Mm, right. um, so I don't think introducing regulation is going to um, enable charities to get more surplus food and, and more meals and other food going out to, to people who are doing it tough. Marcus, if people want to know more or people want to lend their assistance, I know you have a a, a reserve list of of volunteers that you haven't been able to pull off the bench yet. Um, How can they find out more about what Fair Share does? They might be able to donate you some money or something. Yeah, the best thing to do is to jump on the internet, uh, www.fairshare, that's F-A-R-E, as in food, share.net.au. Just Google us and you'll find us. Uh, But, yeah, we do. We have 830 people who regularly volunteer with us. Um, we do have a few hundred more people um, on a waiting list, but look, people come and go for all sorts of reasons, mm. uh, and did you, opportunities are always opening up. So did you ever see the thing that Melina um, Shamroth did where she started a, a kind of a singles event, a dating service, almost, we, by we putting people together? Sports, <laughs> <laughs> we have all sorts of groups of people coming down. We have a lot of uh, corporate... Every day we have between one and three companies coming down and doing team building, corporate social responsibility, half day with us. Um, we very much for a number of years there were doing singles nights once a week and we even had, even had a couple of marriages um, awesome. come out of our kitchen. But look, there's, uh, and that's a special part of Fair Share. Yes, we're feeding people who are doing it tough. Yes, we're stopping food from being wasted. But you've got those 800 plus people who are coming into the kitchen and working, whether it be in the evening, in the afternoon, in the morning. And there's a really strong um, camaraderie amongst them and there are friendships and there's support. And I just think that that's a a byproduct of what we do that's so incredibly valuable and rich. And it's just really heartening when you hear about that waiting list of people actually want to come and and volunteer with us. Your next next singles night, you've got to do one that's same sex. We've done those. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hardly a new idea then. <laughs> Lane, it's good to talk Absolutely. to you. Thank We've you for your time. Too. We've done younger ones, older ones. So the problem was, um, and this, this is specific to a um, heterosexual, we ran out of blokes. So Melina started introducing women's networking nights. Ah. So, uh, but no, we had a lot of fun with those. <laughs> I, that, they, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> the innuendo alone would have been incredible. Mate, good to talk to you. All the best. Thanks for your time. That's Marcus Gadinho. He is the CEO of Fair Share. 
You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Tad, we have to go. It's I 10 know. seconds to go. Too much um, fun. Russ is uh, with his team on the Escape Pod. They've got author Matthew Boulder, and they're talking about going to New Orleans. All that's coming Amazing. up. Thank you for your company. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you. See you. We'll probably talk about Melbourne food and wine next week just because we can. Yep. Over to the Escape Pod. We're done. We're out. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663 6102. Visit lasspaghettata.com.au or Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.